This episode is brought to you by Fat Expats. It's the new expat magazine that's coming your way next month. If you'd like to find out more about it, head over to twofatexpats.com. You'll see a pop-up and you can sign up and we'll shoot you some information. Hello, Nikki Moffat. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Kirstie Rice. What a week that was we've just had. Crazy (laughs) down. I've got a feeling you and I spent a good three days watching pretty much the same thing. Uh, (laughs) A different time for the day. (laughs) (laughs) True, true, true. Um, Yes, uh, election has been and gone um, and the world moves on. But maybe we'll move into that area, Nikki, when we get into our three things of the week and whatever we'll probably head down that direction of what we've been listening to and what we've been watching so should we kick off with the fat four questions go right ahead all right Nikki I want to know if you were me right now what would you be doing so what I mean by that is you've been away from Australia for a long, long time. How, how many years is it? 17 years, nearly 18 years. Yes. Okay. As have I. I've been away for 20, 21 years, I think it is. So I, I had never envisaged going back to Australia and, and staying for such a long time as I am now. And I was thinking today, uh, now that it's actually moving towards a time where I might get back to Qatar, I keep thinking, well, gosh, what if you get back to Qatar and you think, you know, you really should have made the most of Australia when you had it right there and then and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. So if you knew you had an under, uninterrupted few months, what would you make the most of? What would you do? Gosh, that's so hard to say because I'm used to being there for like a month tops and so it's like you hit the ground running and it's just go to woe. Uh, flat out you pre have to plan before you arrive because otherwise you can't fit the things in that you want to do but I would say um, if I wasn't doing a quick and dirty visit then you know Australia for me is about three things probably so people places and food because there's always the food that you can't get you're like oh just swing by the baker's delight on my first morning for a cheesy might scroll but you know so but I think people for me I would think about people because whenever you go back you have to make choices particularly uh Australia is a big country as everybody knows and we have family in three states and then we have also a really great group of friends that's probably in another state as well so that's four we can never visit four places when we go back Mm. so we always have to make the decision between Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide. But, you know, we're always doing that sort of dance of do we base ourselves in one and visit the others or just visit all three or visit one only. And so I think for me that's that's really – and the people are in those places. But, okay, I'm going around in circles. But people first, people first, people I don't get to see every time I go, people that I would do a longer – see on a longer trip so a girls weekend with your you know with your uni girlfriends yes. or something like that that would be like right at the top yes. of my list that's a great one because you always make an effort to see really nearly all your close relations like 
as much as possible because obviously family is very important. But then there's that next level of people that you don't always get to see. So I would definitely do a weekend with my uni girlfriends. I would definitely do catch-ups with my expat friends and um, and my friends from before before the before time, before I left Australia. <laughs> but I also really have really large, quite a lot of people who have returned to Australia that I've met while being an expat that are like I consider at the same level of friendship as my before friends. Um, places, I'm all about the beach. I really, you know, I love visiting um, the Gong, Wollongong, where I grew up and sort of hanging out there with family and also the places there. But uh, as much time in the sunshine and by the beach as I could, I think. And then while I was doing those things, visiting my friends and seeing those places, I would probably, uh, you know, sleep in a few things like a gay time and uh, some, more, <laughs> some more Baker's Delight. and you Which know, is an ice cream for those who aren't aware. <laughs> <laughs> yes, gay time is an excellent ice cream. I suggest you Google it. And, you know, just go to the surf club and have a, a chicken palmy. You know, all those Australian yeah. things that you don't get to do yeah. when you live in other countries. Maybe have a burger that has like, beetroot and pineapple on it yeah you know, like just radical yeah. radical things uh, but I think yeah for me that's my order other things sticky <laughs> like um you know I've, I've signed up to do this wine course because that is something I cannot do in Qatar do you know there isn't the yeah. the the breadth of things there in Qatar for those who aren't aware um we have one wine store it is owned by the government and so that one wine store that wine that you see there you see in every restaurant and every everything it's not like you're gonna zip out one day and discover something unique you know because it's all coming through from the same place um but I wondered that with you has there been anything else where you've thought you know if I if I lived in Australia I'd do that freelance writing course or I or I do the TAFE you know whatever or I take part in something because I think is it a case now that just about everything you can do online from a distance well no I think no I'm sure that there are things that I would want to do that's just in Australia but that's the next step of thought process for me I'm still like if you asked me if I had three months. Yes. And see, that's where I'm at. And yes. then if you asked me if I had six months, I'd have to do, I'd have to do another thought. Yes. Like like you're doing the course. Yes. You know, um, there are things, there are hikes. So an organisation, a charity I support um, does regular hikes in South Australia and in Victoria. And I'd really like to participate in one of those one year. Yes. But it would just depend when I was there yeah. and if I could do the time. But you wouldn't be like doing so, it if you were only there for three months. You'd only be doing that if you were there for six months <laughs> because if, if if it was between the hike and the girls' weekend, you're choosing the girls' weekend. A hundred percent I am. Totally. And, I get and, it. And, I get and it. So that's, that's where my mind is at. I, I mean, you've yeah. been there a little bit longer and I know you've had a lot of other things on your plate, but you're yeah. sort of a little bit past where I am. I'm in my yes thinking. yes okay good good all right all right Kirsty if you had to present an online conference a topic that you chose when it was an in-person conference and it was a 30 minute time slot and most likely was going to be pre-recorded how would you do it <laughs> what, yeah. what, what how would you like what software would you use and what do you think are the best techniques for engagement with an audience that you cannot see 
I just think online presenting versus in life is so different. Yeah, it is so different. So I kind of cheat a bit because you obviously had signed up to do a conference where you were going to talk and um, then it got uh, cancelled or postponed because of uh, COVID. And so now you're going to do exactly what you were going to do before but it's all presented online. Um, what's what's yeah. everybody what's everybody else doing? Well, I don't know. So I just got my email this week to say that um, you know, congratulations, you're a presenter, and you're going to be doing what's called a power presentation, which is going to be thirty minutes long because they had to reevaluate the whole conference and then they assigned speakers various roles. So I don't know what everybody else is doing, but that's obviously the first thing I would be checking in on. But what they've said is that they would like to do some pre-recorded and then do some live Q&A, which is fine because obviously an in-person presentation is all about audience interaction Um, and you can sort of pivot or swivel or, or change tack based on what you can see in person with people interacting with you. But in an online presentation, you can't see any of that. No. No. Um, Look, I don't know because I would have thought I haven't attended any online conferences, right? I can't say. Mm. I have, I've attended like a web, like not even a webinar. Was it a webinar? I think it was a webinar. I think so. But it was more, it was more a Zoom thing and there were other people there and I could see that there are other people there because it was that weird thing where half the people kept their Zoom camera on and half the people had it off um and so you got completely distracted by looking at who else might have been in the room because there were all sorts of sports stars like ash barty and people like that in the room where you're like oh oh i might have to see if she's got her camera on so i don't i i'm really i'm really struggling to get my head around what it's going to look like if because i would have thought the org, the conference organizers would have had to have said to you, we need you to use this format. Well, I, that could be coming next. I don't know. I just I just got the email and so I just started to think about it and I thought, you know what, Yeah, I could ask Kirsty and then I'm sure if anyone's listening to the podcast, they could send me tips and tricks and ideas about things to use. Like the, mm. yesterday or the day before I happened to see it popped up in my feed, this is the best way to present when on a Zoom call. It's like some magical board that appears behind you because when you present a PowerPoint, like John King on CNN at the election, <laughs> a little bit like that, because you're going to have a magic, a magic board. board, not quite like that. But when you present PowerPoint on Zoom, you share your screen and then the PowerPoint becomes the screen. So you're not on the screen anymore. But it was this thing like no. this appears behind you. So it's like you're presenting oh. in a conference room, more or less. Do you know what I mean? So I was just thinking, what are the tips and tricks? Or do you just take yourself out of it and put things on the screen? Do you put little videos, animation? Do you make it like what do you do differently because it's online and not in person? Yeah, I'd be doing a little bit of animation. I'd be getting some of those doodles to go because I think that it'd keep people engaged rather than just looking at your face and um, looking at the PowerPoint um so yeah those black and white doodles are always always good aren't they um yeah I don't know it's a it's a toughie isn't it yeah so I'm putting the call out uh to the Fatarati if you have experience 
and have you have experienced during this pandemic presenting online to conferences in person and also pre-recorded i'd love your tips and tricks and to to hear what you've got to say i i have attended one zoom conference it was but it was like a for two hours like this is going to be many many hours of content over a period of time so yeah we're just gonna have to see how it goes anyway thought i'd ask you uh now nikki this is for all of our expat listeners who are planning a move over the summer i thought we needed a little moving update from you because i want to know are you still going to copenhagen uh in june um and how is the move looking sort of COVID-wise, um, how is schooling looking COVID-wise, um, and how's your COVID fatigue? Yeah, so COVID fatigue, it's starting to kick in. So we had another, you know, my kids <laughs> had to write to their teachers this week to say, sorry, I won't be in on Monday and Tuesday because I have to wait till my dad gets his negative test because he just came back from Copenhagen. Mm. Uh, as my son said, thank you for your attention. <laughs> as he signed off his email and and then he received an email actually from his teacher that was sent to six kids in the same class and said dear you know xyz abc i hope you're all well you know because these are the number of kids that are not coming into class so obviously she's just saying a blanket i hope everyone's okay here's what we'll be covering in class here's what you should do etc etc so uh, where the schools are at the moment, COVID-wise, is on the edge, really on the edge. So we've had two cases in the school where those grades have been shut down for a period of time and the bubble situation takes effect. Yeah. Uh, but overall in Hamburg, the spread of COVID is 50% through the schools at the moment. So 50% of new cases are coming from schools. So it is basically a matter of time before we're going to be shut down again that's our that's our feeling and our understanding mm. so that's not great are we still moving to Copenhagen at the moment yes there is not nothing to indicate why we wouldn't be doing that so that's definitely our plan uh my husband has just had a week up there before they did different changes to quarantine laws between countries so he's now back here sort of till till December till this current period finishes and uh yeah i mean he we at the moment he has a job and we'll be moving to copenhagen i think that you know every day i hear of friends who are in situations where you know they they're in the same situation as us and then now that's all up in the air because those things aren't happening anymore so i would say that in in my head there's always a little thing that says you know maybe this won't happen but for now, it's going ahead. What should we be doing? We should be doing our cleanouts. We should be going through our wardrobes. We should be going through our storage. We should be, you know, getting things out of the way now while we can before we get stuck into Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, are we doing that? Not really. We're still doing things like extended essay drafts. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> So we're really uh, caught up in the timeline of our son's schooling at the moment because yes. he does need a lot of support through this process. So, but yeah, look, we're we're doing the school enrollment on the other end for my daughter. We've started to look at because now my son won't be going to Australia for a gap year given the current situation with COVID. So we're looking for things, and he probably can't do a lot of travel or move around so we're looking for things that he can do with us while he's in Copenhagen so maybe a course or something that he can do 
<clears throat> to structure his time and to make it worthwhile being there. Um, and so there's just lots of little balls we've got in the air, but I think it's nearly time for the wall to put up some sticky notes and start having a bit of a project plan on the wall because otherwise uh, it won't get done. As my husband said, as we did a two month timeline for school and school assignments yes. on our whiteboard last week. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. It's really hard to find houses in Copenhagen, um, houses, apartments, whatever. So I've got my little uh, search set up and I get sent um, new places every day, but really we can't do anything. It's just really to keep an eye out on what's, what's available. Yes. Yeah. Is it, is it in a time of COVID, uh, at least a little bit of excitement and change or is it just a horror of not only have we got COVID, we've got this to contend with as well. I think it's the second one because it, yeah. it just it just throws everything. Like for example, yesterday, uh, my son, the the neighbours downstairs. We live in a very old building, and the neighbours downstairs have had some problems with one of their bathrooms. And they came up a few weeks ago and said, "Listen, in a few weeks, we've got a plumber coming. He thinks there's a leak coming from your bathroom, so." We'll have to, you know, the landlord is going to get it all fixed. Mm -hmm. We'll have to send the plumber up. He'll come to our bathroom, then he'll come up to yours afterwards. Yeah. 10th of November. Fine. Great. I write it all down. Then then yesterday I briefed everyone in the morning, except I forgot to brief my son. The doorbell rings. Everyone's in in their rooms and studies working, headphones, etc. He hears the door, answers it. Plumber's at the door. He says, sorry, we're in quarantine. You can't come in and shut the door. Ouch. <laughs> Which is effectively true. I yeah. mean, we're in this sort of cross-quarantine period that we don't have to be in, but we decided for the school that we would do the extra days that weren't necessary but uh, suggested. And so, and then the neighbour calls me and says, is everything okay? And and I said, oh, yes, I'm very sorry. You know, we are technically in quarantine, except we're waiting for the test results. So 30 minutes later, the test result came negative plumber could come in but plumber had left oh. so now plumber has to schedule another date. and we look like absolute nasty people to our neighbors who didn't tell them it you must be really popular with the neighbors today i am so horrified and embarrassed about it but you know i could have let them in i would have let them in if i'd answered the door but my son didn't do anything wrong either. It's just, it's really, it's this very bizarre time and this very bizarre sort of feeling everything. You're saying that all of these extra things, the quarantine, the extra bits and pieces make the routine stuff just even harder. Yeah, it just makes everything harder. Everything just has an extra effort, extra layer, extra time. And it's just, it feels overwhelming. To, to me at the moment, it just feels really overwhelming and I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, I know you have to get through it, but I'm just not sure how at the moment. And are you going to a more COVID-heavy location? And, I mean, this obviously all changes week to week, but but how is Copenhagen coping with COVID as opposed to Hamburg? Well, at the moment, it's about the same. So they have, you know, a spike of yeah. cases. They have a much smaller population. They've put in place stricter measures than they had in the first lockdown, uh, but they but their schools are still open, which our schools are still open here too. So we're about same for same at the moment, like for like, but we don't know how that's going to go out of the, out of the winter. We'll just see. It's, it's so hard. Yeah. And do you know what, Nikki, maybe because we're just heading into your winter now, 
maybe as we head out of your winter and towards the summer, it might all seem a little brighter. I hope so. I'm sure it will. I really feel that it will, but I, I just hope so. I think it's, yeah. Mm. Anyway, Kirsty, moving on. <laughs> yes. So, but to anyone that's moving over this coming summer, I'm there with you. You know, I'm right there in the trenches and uh, I feel I feel you. I've got all the feels. Now, Kirsty, I just want to ask you a question, <laughs> really, Kirsty, really. Why the heck? And I wouldn't use that word normally. I'd use another one. Did you ask the question uh, in the Facebook group this week? What's another word for expats? <laughs> um, yes. So, Nikki, I, I did feel at the time I really should be writing to Nikki before I do this. Now, in my defence, I didn't ask. What I asked was because we all know any if you create any conversation about the word expat it's always going to turn pear shaped mm, and correct. we know this because because every four it used to be every six months now it's probably every three months someone will post an article about what's the difference between expats and immigrants and they will want to tell you that uh, expats is solely for white people and immigrants is more for um, people of color and this conversation starts and continues all the time and then you have people of color who will tell you that they call themselves expats and that's not right and then you will have uh, people who are white who will say no they think it is you know it has racial connotations and it's wrong and we need to stop using the word expat and every time it happens we end up having to polite listen to all sides of the argument and then say thank you for your 7,827 comments we will now shut this down now that we've all had a great conversation but I had had a conversation with my children about the whole expats v immigrants and surprisingly because we have talked many times about how our kids are so woke and that they you know are so on top of everything my children really were like well, no, this is the definition of expat and so it is expat and this is the definition of immigrant. And so it started this thing of, well, what what else would you be if you weren't an expat? What else would you be? Now, foolish me, I thought that if I made a disclaimer like I did in the comment, I did make a disclaimer saying this is not a conversation about immigrant v expat. Yeah, I this mean, is, that's just like waving yeah. a red rag and a ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I did say, you know, what what are the words you use? If you don't if you don't like the word expat and you are not technically an immigrant because we all know that an immigrant means you have immigrated somewhere. You have moved to another country full time and that you are you have chosen to immigrate whereas expats are temporary people. You know, they have left their country of origin and they are aren't working for a temporary amount of time and then they're going back so I was I was interested to hear everyone's comments but of course I did open the proverbial can of worms and off we went I was interested in some of the things that came up Nikki we had global nomads which I'm not a fan of 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 the term we had temporary visa holders we had wanderers we had visitors we had guests we had foreigners we had non-resident aliens um we had internationally mobile which is what 
I was called when I first started being an expat. That was the term they used at the company that my husband worked for. You were either a local hire or an international, an international mobile. I loved this one. A CFA, which means you come from away, which is a Canadian term. And I think in particular, it might be from uh, Nova Scotia or sort of more on the eastern side of Canada. And they say come from away. My other one that I loved was a sojourner, which means, you know, you're traveling to do things, but you will be going home or an economic migrant. But I did think, okay. So, you know, if if we were going to decide that we weren't using the word expat anymore, Nikki, imagine if we were two fat global nomads or we were two fat wanderers, two fat visitors, two fat non-resident aliens. But I also think that all of those things I've just listed, none of them I think would have the sticking power um, in a group or uh, such like two fat expats. I know that if I was to see the group two fat expats, I would go expats. Yep. That's, that's what, you know, they're my people. I don't know if I would join uh, the non-resident aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you never know. That could be a good band, but uh, uh, or they come from a ways. I mean, come from a ways now a hit musical, right? That, uh, uh, they made a musical uh, yes. and it's about a part of Canada. It's about all the planes landing in Canada after 9-11. So, yeah, so yes. I, yeah, I mean, foreigners, yeah, look, uh, it's it's a difficult conversation, Kirsty, but it's about why words matter, right? So we have this conversation and we shut it yes. down all the time. But one conversation that we do have yeah. that we don't shut down and that we do continue to discuss in the group is when people call themselves a trailing spouse so that is yes my pet project I think no one is trailing I don't go in for you know you're the leader or you know the dominating person or whatever but you're a partner you make a decision to move together and so you're in a partner so you're an expat partner or you're an accompanying partner or your partner's Well, you're both expats. And so while we will continue to respectfully monitor and maintain decorum on the expat versus immigrant thing, the training spouse, I'm sorry, but if you write it down, I'm just going to gently remind you that we don't use that language in this group and these are the reasons why. And I think, you know, that's fine. Would you, I'm interested actually, Nikki, because I named I named our podcast, you know, I named it with Sarah. We did it as a spin-off of, you know, um, the two fat ladies that were the cooks. And so we did, we were two fat expats. Um, now, if I had my time again, I think I would probably look for a, a different word because of the connotations now around that word. But I... I really can't think of any other word that identifies so strongly. And I'll I'll continue to keep asking, sorry, <laughs> but I will continue to keep asking people what what word do you identify with? Like what is your word when you think of your family, your life, your experience? Um 
but but yeah, I haven't I haven't sort of come up with and I, I wrote all those ones down thinking, well, maybe, you know, we can come up with something, you know, we can think of something. And yeah, I can't, I can't see it yet. It's not there yet. Doesn't mean it's not coming, but I can't see it yet. No, yeah, I I totally agree. And I hear everything you've said. And, and like when people say, you know, I've got no problem being called a training spouse, call yourself a training spouse. That's fine. Yes. But, but, But I always say we don't encourage it in the group. You know, we're not banning it. It's not banned. You know, we're not the, the, the word police, but we're just saying think about it in a different way. And often I have respectful conversations online with people yes. and they'll say, hey, yes. I never thought about it that way. You're right, you know, or I disagree. And that's fine. I mean, that's the whole point. It's very hard to have balanced online conversations because people are very easily able to, uh, you know, push themselves one way or another. So anyway. It's one of those things. Okay. Nikki, our three favourite things. Um, so I've just had my mother here for the last couple of days. She had to come to the city to um, have an angiogram, which was a lot of excitement. Um but it meant because my mother is a new adapter to Netflix, so she's done The Crown season one and two, but it meant I got to watch all of season three with her over the last three days. Oh, um, you're getting ready for the weekend. I'm getting so ready. I'm getting so ready. I cannot wait. And I have heard, and I haven't seen it yet, but I have heard that um, the actress who plays Diana in um season four was on graham norton have you seen that episode no i haven't seen it no no so maybe that's what we both need to look at as well before it starts because um, my mother was telling me that she had seen the actress on graham norton who was talking about how she what she'd done with her voice to get the diana voice and how diana always goes down at the end of the sentence right yeah so, <laughs> so and i watched the last episode of season three three last night just to rev myself uh, up yes. because yeah. my Netflix said, oh, season four. I was like, oh, is it there? Is it there? Is it, there? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. And so, but I thought, you know, I said before about how I'm feeling a little bit trepidatious about, you know, it being contemporary of us, like all the rest have been historic yes. and so I've been okay with the sort of made up conversations and everything and then I was watching it last night and it was a Margaret Elizabeth storyline I thought gee you know she ever watched that that would be really hard to see those things you know and and how it portrays her relationship with her sister and oh with her son uh, yeah Yeah. but I just thought really hard things to see and how I'm feeling about season four is how she's felt about the whole thing because she's been in it all Now, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, obviously you and I uh, watched the election um, and I did have a giggle because in our last episode I had said, no, you know, I'm far more into Australian politics than I am American, which is very true, very, very true. But I did get sucked into CNN. I just absolutely fell in love with John King again, which I'm sure maybe three quarters of the people watching the election did fall in love with John King again. Um, I love that CNN still has pretty much all the same people on it that were on it when I was living in America in 2000. and eight (laughs) not much has changed um they're just all a little bit more grayer and uh 
you know, sophisticated. Um, but what I did love about John King is I think I, st- I got, I started off my election viewing going, gee, how old is John King now? Sort of, you know, thinking because, you know, I'm sure I was watching John King in the late 90s, you know, when we first started moving, early 2000s and whatever, thinking, well, how old is he? I'm sure I can remember him with brown hair. And then it was, um, you know, uh, how many elections has John King done? Well, by day three, it was, is John King married? Is John, is John King in a relationship? <laughs> he just, and my favourite, favourite uh, oh, John King he moment. used to be married to one of the other reporters. Yes, yes, yes. CNN hasn't been on since the election result, and I can't imagine I'll turn it on again for another four years. Nikki, something I haven't mentioned um that has been one of my favourite things is my daughter graduated from school um, a couple of weeks ago and her graduation was done differently than my first daughter. Same school, same room, same teachers, but they switched it up a bit. And I watched and I thought, do you know what? This is what all international schools should do. Um, okay. In that in the when my first daughter graduated, uh it was the teacher stood up and they talked all about that child's uh, specific achievements or involvements at school. And you found yourself really listening out for this person was, you know, in the A-grade netball team or they went away on the math camp or they went to the NASA space, you know, camp or they did whatever. Gosh, every child has something like that. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was the thing. Not. Not every child has those things to talk about, right? And so you would have the child that really wasn't very involved at school or who came later at school and there just wasn't the same... do you know you were they were you could tell that they were searching for things do you know she yeah. was very social and was always fun in the common room at lunchtime do you know that that sort of level whereas this year they did something different and they videoed each girl and each girl gave a personal experience of what they have had loved about the school and i was thinking you know with expat kids being so transient and coming in and out I know one of the things that happened at our school in Qatar was they had people stand up if they'd um everybody stood up and then I think people sit down if you came in year 11 if you came in year 10 if you came you know and of course the last people standing were the superstars who'd been there all the way through and and that is great if you've been there all the way through it's a lovely thing yeah but that's not but that's not for everyone right it's a terrible thing for everyone and so I just thought if you can get a child to tell their own story I would have been fascinated just to have heard a snippet and I think particularly from international kids if they could tell you a snippet of what has been their favorite school it doesn't have to be that school but the experience of being within the international system (laughs) yes now I'm not sure that every school would be happy with that now tell us one thing you've enjoyed in your school years wow when I lived in this other country (laughs) oh I wouldn't mind I think but isn't it isn't it the end of your schooling experience does it have to be 
oh, this school's the best school because this school did this. Yeah, no, I know. I don't, I guess it doesn't have to. I'm yeah. just thinking about it. I think, yeah, I think graduation is about graduating from school and that's that's the thing with us with expat kids is we don't have the first day of school photo where they're in one uniform and then the last day of school photo where they're standing in the same on the same front step in the same uniform you know with the same thing they haven't done that they've been all over and you know I don't I, I I don't know and I all graduations in different countries are different too you know I know uh, the American ones are very land of hope and glory and, you know, maybe more a valedictory sort of speech and whatever. So was it a video compilation of and every girl spoke? Well, so they had five classes of 20 girls. So each class stands up. The teacher does a very succinct this is the such and such as class. This is what we've done this year. Uh, very quick, like I'm talking 30 seconds. I'm typing now in my mind an email to the graduation committee at uh, my school. Yeah, and then they played the little video at the beginning and it had, it was clever, it okay. was a, the the music was a recognisable tune from an, from an Australian show called You Can't Ask That. So it had that sort of music there behind a white screen. But as the as the graduates walked up they had a picture of them uh at age sort of five and then a picture of them uh, yeah our school does that cute um yeah I think every school pretty much does that don't they yeah and then over the top of the photo they played their interview of what it was about them yeah so that the interview of them was before they walked up so it was them saying, I liked this, I liked this, I liked this. But then they walked, then as they all came up, they all just had their photo as they came up. Oh, that's lovely. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought I would have loved to have seen this more in an expat school because I find, you know, international kids are fascinating for where they've been mm. and what they've done. And, um, yeah, I would have, as long as it's not, you know, monotone, Hi, I've lived in Jakarta, Libya, Malaysia, da-da-da, da-da-da, whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, it, 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 we'd have to ask, know what the questions that were yeah. asked, right, so to get the engaging responses. It might have taken a long time. <laughs> At my son's school, uh, on the last day of school, and I don't know the format of this, I, um, I can't give great detail, but I do know that a particular child brought the house down who – Everyone stood up and said one thing that they'd, you know, loved about the school. And this boy came up and he, and I'm, I'm going to change one of his names. He said, um, hi, my name's James McDonald and that's McDonald MC, not MacDonald MAC, which it seems the school has struggled for 12 years to understand. And then he said, I'd like to say a special thank you, you know, to Mrs. <laughs> Smith in the front desk for accepting my late forms when I was late for tutor, tutor class for 80% of the year. And I'd like to thank Mr. McCutcheon for reminding me of how tutor class is so, so important and an integral part of Year 12. But then he said, I'd also like to apologise to James MacDonald, who's in Grade 4, and it really must have been a lot for him to process when he found out he'd been suspended. (laughs) 
That was gold. That was really good. That is very good and very clever. And they're the kinds of things you like to yes. see. Yes. Anyway, I have taken up too much time, Nikki. Tell me a few of your favourite things. Well, I look, I think our favourite things are the same, CNN, CNN, CNN. They opened the website here, so they geo-unblocked it. So ah. I could just have a, yeah, it was quite interesting. And yeah. so I just thought I'll check the CNN website and then all of a sudden I was watching John King and the Magic Board. And so he just came oh. with me everywhere in my pockets at, at my desk, everywhere. <laughs> he was just like, even if I had my headphones in, I could hear him. Hey, uh, look, if anyone so else has fallen in love with John King as much as us, I should say in about 2012 he was on Charlie Rose and he's a almost he's more of a salt and pepper John King than he is the um white John <laughs> King graying. that he is now yeah the graying silver fox that he is now um so that's a good one if you if anyone wants to look that one up you can see brown haired John King uh on Charlie Rose yes sorry anyway I was just thinking because because of the way we consume media now, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you know, online, I wonder if TV was the winner for that week because yes. not everyone wanted to watch TV because they wanted to see things happening live. Yes. Twitter's different because you see things every few seconds, but it, I really felt it was not the same as having the mm-hmm. TV, like having yes. the cable news person Yes. constantly telling me the same thing over and over and then saying and stay tuned in 15 seconds we're gonna have an update on the vote you know like it really I felt like it made tv much more relevant again and I don't it, know how or tv stations because obviously you didn't consume it through television necessarily but I felt it was so relevant and you couldn't have had that same feeling or emotion without it Uh, and I think kudos to John King and to CNN (laughs) but kudos to them for the way they presented it because I did flick I went over to Fox and I yeah, went to too. Australian, ABC and American and I I looked at all of them but I, I kept coming back to CNN um, just for the calmness of the its presentation. Um, yeah, and I, I cannot tell you how many times he must have said this is an election like no other or <laughs> um, but we must remember it, it, there's a long way to go um and he stayed so calm in that and um, every time he said the votes now let's just play this out now please republicans do not be upset if i allocate this state one way you know democrats yes. don't be upset if i'm allocating this state it's purely yes. for the purposes of this you know simulation yes. exercise yeah it was no, just it was very yeah no i agree i loved it the other thing is is that uh, the 9th and 10th of november in uh, Germany uh, is is the remembrance of Kristallnacht, which um, is the Kristallnacht is happened in 1938, the original one, and it's called Kristallnacht from the shards of broken glass that littered the streets after all the windows of Jewish-owned stores and buildings and synagogues were smashed, um, and hospitals and everything, and it was really the start of of um, Jewish people being deported to concentration camps, etc. So in 1938. Now, what happens here every year um, at the same time is we have in in Germany and in lots of parts of Europe uh, Stolperstein, which are they are basically the translation is a stumbling stone, and it's it's a ten centimeter um, brass plate that is 
embedded in the concrete on the ground and it's outside homes of um, people that were deported and, and murdered during the war. So basically on the night of Crystal Night, Crystal Nacht, the people come outside their houses on apartment buildings and they clean the stones. So they shine them up and then they put oh. candles beside them. And so on the 9th and 10th, uh, there are always candles and flowers outside all these apartment buildings. And we live in the Jewish quarter of Hamburg, the old Jewish quarter. So outside nearly every building where in our street, in our suburb, are lots and lots of these little stones these little brass plaques which explain who the person was where they um how old they were when they were born and where they were deported to and where they were and it says murdered so it usually says murdered in the concentration camp that they were murdered in so it's just a really um it's like a living memorial and a growing memorial. So it, it started in 1992 and in nine, December 2019, there were 75,000 of them all around Europe and they're coming more all the time. They are also all handmade. So they wanted to, because the, the request for them is so great and they obviously the production, they wanted to increase production, but the person who invented or, or who started the art project said, no, they will never be mass mass produced they will always be made by individual artisans so that every Schopenstein every every plaque that goes in the ground is a reminder and the one person has to make it and so it's it's basically a physical process so what what happens is that people research people who lived in their buildings or lived in the area and then they um, put all the research together and then they raise the funds and then they buy a Schopenstein and then have it inserted in the pavement outside everyone's houses. And it's, it's really important to remember, I think. And it's really, it's, it's a lovely, I mean, it's not lovely to to remember, but it it is, it is nice that every year that they put out, they, there is a, a ritual for the cleaning of the stones and a ritual for having candles and and remembrance because I think that's really important. That's beautiful. And isn't it amazing with the dates that that is so close to our Remembrance Day, which is today we're we're recording and which my dad still calls Armistice Day. Yeah. So I remember the first year I came, I I saw the candles and I took photos and said, oh, this must be for Remembrance Day for the war. And someone said, no, it's not. Um, It's it's a reminder of Kristallnacht. So anyway, that was one of my favourite things this week because I think that we even though it's sad and and it was a terrible time that it's important that we remember that and I think it's great that those things are still honored here yes yes okay yep no no that's that's where we need to wrap it up but just before we go one last thing that we're just going to poke in here because Kirsty, I saw that you posted in the two fat expats Facebook group and so I'm going to mention it here we <laughs> would like you to vote for us oh yes <laughs> <laughs> uh in the australian podcast was listeners choice now it's a little bit hard for us because although we're australian we're really you know we don't have a big australian base necessarily because we are international and we have yes. international and we have listeners from 160 countries and so if you're a listener in one of those 160 countries we'll put the link in the show notes but we'd love for you to vote for us in listeners choice just so we feel a little bit loved. So what's the website, Nikki, Is because um, I know a lot of people don't go to the show notes. Is it, how do you find it? What is it? So it's australianpodcastawards.com. Yeah. 
And when you go there, it's in the listener's choice vote. And then you're okay. asked to choose the podcast. It says search for the podcast and you just type in Two Fat Expats and it magically appears. I thought that was amazing how it just magically appears. <laughs> like we didn't put it in there and it just magically popped up. That's, that's technology. And so we didn't put it in there. We didn't put it in there. Okay, no, I saw it on Facebook and I thought you must have put it in there. No, no I didn't just... put it in there. And that's why I said to people, oh, oh, maybe we should get people to vote. Because I saw it. I saw, I can't remember, I'm sorry, who it was that asked me to vote for them. But it was another podcast. And I went in there and I thought, I'm going to type in two fat expats. And up we magically appeared. And I thought, oh, has someone else done that or is this just part of it or whatever? So, yes, we would love it. So it's called the AustralianPodcastAwards.com. That's it. And Listener's Choice Award. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll speak to you next week, Kirsty. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye.